ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass, and it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees. Of course, that is my invention. Hope all of you are uh, staying safe out there. We have a busy, busy three hours. Uh, head coaching carousel in the NFL. Uh, I expect that to start heating up soon. Bobby Slowick requested by another team, by the way. Uh, also, Nick Sirianni, is he on the hot seat? Mike McCarthy, is he on the hot seat? Kendall Graveman will not pitch for the Astros this year. Uh, we'll get to all of it and much, much more. It is a cash it or trash it Tuesday with the bees as well. But every Tuesday... After a Houston Texans win, we don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. We do it each and every Tuesday. It's a, it's a way for you to be critical about the Texans, even though that they won. It's a safe space. We're, we're sticklers to tradition. So we do it each and every Tuesday. And Blankers, what, what do you have to lead us off? Don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. What are some things that stick out to you from the Texans game on Saturday that you just can't ignore? you got to clean up. you got to get better if you want to try to upset the best team in the AFC. Well, and that's it, Jeremy. I think that whether Mark Andrews plays or not, I think one of the first things was, and we kind of touched on this last week, was especially if they were going to focus on Amari Cooper a little bit more, the next in line to get the football was going to be in Joku. And Joku had, in the first half, when it looked like a real football game, he had some significant catches. And if you're the Texans, I think that's something that you're going to have to really pay attention to moving forward as you play a team like Baltimore because they like to utilize the tight end in the passing game a lot, uh, especially if Andrews is on the field. But even if he's not, they've got to do a better job and clean up a little bit more in terms of whoever is, is responsible, uh, You know, whether it be inside or whoever the other corner is, however they're going to play that, if they're going to play with the five backs. I just think they got to pay a little bit more attention to how they defend the, the tight end in the passing game. The things that I noticed whenever Njoku was having some of those big chunk plays or whoever that uh, the backup tight end, too, for the Browns had a pretty big day. Uh, I forget his name. I noticed that they were in some 4-3, which they don't run a whole lot. They don't run a whole lot of 4-3 anymore because they don't love their linebackers and they rather play Desmond King, a guy that they cut during training camp over their third linebacker. But they got the Browns were able to get the the Texans into some of those four three packages. Usually, whenever they showed some heavy sets, and whenever they did that, they threw for big yards. So I agree with that, and I would even say that because if Andrews does play, and I, I tried to find any information I could on that, they're, they're being very coy as they should. Right, it's a playoff sure. game; you don't want anybody to know. I would also expect them to do some two tight end sets if he does play. Like Mark Andrews is going to get some run, even if he's not 100%, and he does go. And then they're going to play Isaiah Likely. Uh, They like Isaiah Likely. So I think that they're going to show you some 12 personnel at times, and the Texans play 4-3 at times with 12 personnel. I think they just have to completely abandon it. And I know that's tough for D'Amico because I think he would like to match up. I think, I think like deep in his core, he likes 4-3 more than nickel, especially with a 12-personnel package. But because of your personnel, he has to go major, uh, a majority of the time in nickel. I think you just completely give up on it. I think you completely abandon it against Baltimore, especially with the especially whenever you have the quarterback to Lamar Jackson's ability where he can run so well. So do you want that third linebacker who's kind of slow, or would you rather a nickel corner be out there, even if it's a heavy package, 12 personnel? Frankly, I would. I, I think I would go 100% nickel uh, on on Saturday against Baltimore. Yeah, look, I, I think that whatever works, right, and it's a different scheme, it's a different plan that obviously b- b- kind of game planning for a Joe Flacco and instead realizing that this is a very dynamic team. And it obviously starts with Lamar and all the things he's capable of doing. But as you and I have talked about, he, he's a better passer than a lot of people give him credit for. His passing is improving. But what he likes to do when he does pass the football is he passes best between the between the tackles. He sits in the pocket and, and he picks his tight end a lot. And he picks apart a lot of you know with, with flowers and some of the guys that can run in the slot and find those little middle of the field pockets. And, and he hits them pretty accurately and pretty quickly. And the Texans have to prepare for that. And they've got to understand this is a totally different animal that, than what the Browns brought to the table. Usually the teams that defend Lamar, they like speed on the field. Um, like if you go back to, I think it was his first, playoff game Lamar with the Chargers and he's much he's matured much more as a passer 
but they countered that with a bunch of speed. Like they were playing a lot of defensive backs against them, and I I expect the Texans to do the same. I think, and plus they already do. Like their best defense is with Desmond King on the field as opposed to a third mm-hmm. linebacker. So I would be stunned if the Texans play any four three. I think they're going to be ninety five percent, maybe more with at least five defensive backs uh, on the football field. Uh, the, the first one for me, don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't defeat. Can, can we scrub that underhand shovel pass, whatever that was, <laughs> yeah. on first and goal forever out of the playbook? Like, Slowick sometimes likes to get cute. We know that. He does things throughout the year that, eh, he's trying to think a little bit outside the box. And a lot of it works. A lot of it works. I like Slowick, generally speaking. I never want to see that play again in my life. Is it safe to say that that should have been picked? Because it looked like the D-lineman should have just reached out and just bear-hugged that thing because it was just sitting there like a loaf of bread. It, it would have been a really good play, but definitely was pickable. Yeah. I looked at it and was like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Because, like you said, how many times have we seen during the course of the season when Slowick does like to kind of go too deep into his bag? It's They sustain a drive. They get inside the 30. A lot of times it's a first down inside the 20. And, and, and he starts playing flea flicker and he starts mm-hmm. playing double laterals and cute plays that end up taking chunks backwards. And you're going, not now. Didn't need it. Didn't need to kind of kickstart the offense or get a big play. Everything was working just fine. But that was one that you look, I, I was shaking my head going, boy, did they dodge a bullet there? Cause that was just a disaster waiting to happen. To be honest, I hated that entire series. Like, and I know that you won. Not not the series. I, I'm sorry, not the series. I, I hated the entire sequence once you had it at first and goal. Because what what is the strength of your team? It's C.J. Stroud. Like, C.J. Stroud is the strength of what you have offensively. So whenever you design an underhand shovel pass, you're taking it out of Stroud's hands. You're not letting him make a read. You're not letting him see that, like, that is just what we're doing no matter what. The very next play was a little, like, quarterback rollout. So, again, you're, you're using Stroud to run, but he didn't have a pass option there, which I think is the strength for C.J. Stroud. And then the third down play was a rollout with really one option to throw it to. So it's like... Uh, your best player, C.J. Stroud, yet three consecutive plays, you didn't really let Stroud make a play. Like, snap it to Stroud and let him read a defense. Let let C.J. Stroud, yeah. okay, there's nothing there. The defense is covering this well. Scramble for three yards. I, I thought that was a really bad three plays in a row after they got into a first and goal situation. And quite frankly, I know the ball was in Stroud's hands on second down and third down, and even in first down with the shovel pass, but you completely took all of his options away whenever he feasted on options. He's known for his first read, his second read, his third read, going through his progressions. He's known to be able to scramble what he needs to. And I thought all three of those plays took away what C.J. Stroud was best at. No, you're right. It, what, the second down play was the one where he ended up on the left sideline, thankfully. He rolled to the left and yes. ran. I don't think that there yeah. was a pass option there. I don't think there was either. And then I was holding my breath going, please don't take a big hit either yeah. because you put him in harm's way and you know it was, it was not that long ago that he took multiple shots to the dome. It's something you can't afford to do no matter what happens because of how important he is too, mm-hmm. is that I kind of held my breath for, you know, the, the first reason was just, I just didn't want to take a hit. And then afterwards you're like, what are we doing calling that now? I mean, I don't think you're going to catch him off guard because obviously just it's so condensed inside the red zone that the defense is already going to be kind of up on you more. I, I just didn't think that play had a whole lot of chance to work. Yeah, I didn't like any of the three plays. I, I That one I was okay with if it was like on first down. I, I didn't like it on second down, but put the ball in Stroud's hands. And, and, and I think that you can utilize – the quarterback run game in the playoffs. I, I do throw some caution to the wind uh, whenever you get to the postseason. I would never run that play in the regular season ever. In the playoffs, game against Baltimore, if you think it's there, I'm okay with it in the playoffs. And I also forgot to mention they took a timeout before the first down play. Like, you got the big play to Nico, and then you can't get organized, and you take a timeout. Like, it didn't hurt you, didn't cost you. But it might Saturday in a yeah. three point game. So like I hated that I hated all that entire minute where you can't you can't get organized, you take a timeout before first down. I mean the whole drive was uh, the really... shovel well the Nico pass was I mean it worked out pretty good. Well yeah, but like they got the ball on their side of the fifty and they got a field goal. Well, I mean, but why? Why did they get a field goal? Because of those three plays. No, for sure. But like that's because that was my big one too, was the, that drive itself was just Atrocious. Well, I don't know how you could say that about the entire drive. Like, they, they got into a first-and-goal situation. Yeah, but it, they didn't execute at all in the red zone. They ran awful plays. So, I guess the, the first half of the drive was good. The second half was absolutely terrible. Once you got a first-and-goal. Yeah. <laughs> Once you got a first-and-goal. The timeout, 
the shovel pass, the design quarterback run, the quarterback rollout. I thought that was I thought it was atrocious, and I never really want to see that uh, again. What do you have, Joe? Don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't defeat. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. You know, it's hard not to feel like we're kind of nitpicky. I, mean, I think oh, you guys hit are. on the you guys hit on the two big ones that I had. Uh, so I'm going to pick one that like didn't hurt them this game, but your cornerbacks need to play a little bit cleaner in the next one. The Texans got away with a couple big-time pass interference plays in this game. I think Steven Nelson was one of them. I think it was like the Browns' fifth drive, I think it was, where he got there way, way too early. And it was a clear pass interference. They did not call it. So I feel like the Texans got away with a lot of stuff. Stingley had one, too. Uh, that was a big one that didn't get called. So they need to play a little bit cleaner the next time, I would say, because it's probably going to bite them in the ass if that happens again on Saturday. You're going from Flacco to the MVP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it kind of kind of goes to what I was saying about you know not only how you how you defend the tight end, but overall just how you're going to defend the passing game is going to be a lot different with a guy that can can hurt you by moving the pocket, by can get you know moving all over the field and extending plays where you're not only going to have to stay with guys throughout the entire play, but you're also going to have to avoid the temptation to grab and to hold because those things are going to be called knowing that Lamar is going to be extending plays left and right. Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero espn uh, Another one that you have. Uh, do you have another one, Blinkers? I think the other one is just you You would hope to get more yards out of your running game. I, I know that Motor was, was good situationally, and he, he got some plays when you needed him, but to me – you just I would like to see a rushing game, especially against a team like Baltimore where you can control the clock a little bit more and you can have the, the time of possession go a little higher. I would like to see them have a 100-yard day rushing on the ground and have some guys establish the running game early. Yeah, I, I think uh, easier said than done. Like, sure, you're their going defense up against, is great. Yeah, yeah I, I think both defenses are really good. I, I actually think Baltimore's talent is better than Cleveland's talent. And I know that Cleveland finished number one in like the traditional defensive numbers, yards per game. If I'm not mistaken, Baltimore is number one in DVOA. Uh, I like their personnel better. And I know that Cleveland has Miles Garrett and a bunch of really good talent. But look at the Baltimore roster defensively, and that, I'm bullish. I'm bullish about it. So, I mean, if it, I think if you run for 100 yards, you win the game. Like, I, I think that that would be uh, an, an incredible, like, accomplishment to do that against that Ravens defense. It's interesting because Singletary, like, had five yards per game but only touched it for 13 times on the ground. But then the Texans as a team, because you handed it off to Damian and Pierce three times for zero yards uh, because you tried a couple of, you know, Nico Collins, John Mechie runs. You ran it for 76 yards on 22 carries. So as a team, it was only three and a half yards per carry. Singletary's was five, but he only carried it 13 times. Yeah, I think you're right, too. I think that the individual talent on Baltimore is greater than the sum of all the parts in, in, in Cleveland. Cleveland, as a unit, they they work in tandem with the the back end and the front seven and everything that they do and they have some players especially if you have a Miles Garrett you're always going to have players but when you talk about Smith and 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 Queen and and all the different guys they have at, at each and every level you know that's a team to me that has some standout individuals but both teams to their credit play unbelievable defense as a unit and that's something that you got to be aware of because the first time you saw this team queen was all over the place making plays 713-780 espn busy show for you cash it or trash it tuesday but what are you not ignoring in victory what you wouldn't in defeat we're on the twitch twitch.tv slash espn 97.5 he's at pacman joel on twitter joe's at joe george radio i'm at jeremy branham it's the killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 hey before we go to the break a few words for doc linville and the neograph procedure look it's a new you in 2024, maybe you made some resolutions. Maybe one you didn't think you could make because you didn't think it was possible was to get your hair back. And you really can with the Neograph procedure with Doc Linville. And Doc is so great about taking care of Houstonians. You know, I, I met with him uh, and had dinner with him before uh, the holidays. And he said, look, I'm going to do something really special uh, for the holidays, but starting in January. He said, I'm going to re- greatly reduce my fees for the Neograph because I want people to understand I'm not trying to make money here. I'm trying to get people to, to get their hair back because it's such a game changer. And so he went down to 350 a follicle. He went way down in his price, and he said, look, tell your listeners, this is the time to do this because it is going to be a difference for you, and it's literally your own hair. And he's trying to make sure that everybody gets a chance to get involved in this procedure. Go to 975hair.com right now. You can set up an appointment to meet with Doc Linville and his staff, find out all about the pricing, but more so find out about the procedure and everything that goes into it so you can get the most out of it. 
Bottom line is the one thing that really caught my ear and attention was the fact that 95 to 99% of those follicles that he moves are going to stay and grow, be with you for the long haul, and probably be with you until the day you die because he takes them from a place that he told me, genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. So he takes them from there, puts them where you need them, and you see the results almost instantly, but you see the true results in about six to nine months. It's a phenomenal procedure. It was painless for me. I could not be any happier with what I've gotten out of it and you can do the same. Check them out today because there's nothing out of pocket except for and no obligation. He normally charges 150 bucks for the consultation. You get it free. Just go to 975hair.com All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5 live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's blank. I'm LeBranham. 713-780-ESPN. What are you not ignoring in victory what you wouldn't in defeat? 713-780-3776. Ocho says nothing problematic stood out to me worth mentioning, and that's rare to my critical eyes. Yeah, I don't believe you, Ocho. Either, you, uh, either you're not being truthful or you didn't watch the game very closely because you are critical, Ocho. Also, also, there's never been a single football team that has played a perfect game. Ever. Ever. You strive for it. And you might win blowouts and just absolutely dominate, but there's always a couple things that you did wrong. Always. Normally, Oach cashes in on something so that he's extremely happy, or he doesn't, and then that's what stands out to him. But he yeah. must—he must have had a good weekend. Yeah, maybe maybe he was on the right side of uh, both of the plays. Uh, maybe he had the uh, the Texans money line, and then whatever the total was, I don't know what it what it did in the Texans game. Uh, three, four, five, one. Don't ignore that. Slowick called such a good game; he'll probably be gone. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think the chances of him leaving probably went up a few points. Like, I had it at 55. I think you had it at 40, and then you went up, like, a couple of points, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. I would say that he probably added three to five percentage points on the chances of him leaving. Maybe three. Yeah. Five might be too high. Well, plus, Jeremy, Joe and I were talking before the show, too, when we were thinking about it. We were pretty accurate a few weeks ago when we were doing this, going there could be up to 10 or more jobs open, and then it looked like maybe there's five to seven. Now, depending on what happens with, with Dallas and Philadelphia, if those two jobs open up, you're right at 10, and, and, and you know that there's going to be a couple of teams that are going to focus in on a young coordinator and an offensive-minded guy, and you just got to believe that really ups the chance. I think he and Ben Johnson are the two guys that if the ownership is not enamored with big names and recycled veteran coaches, I think those are the two guys that that a lot of teams are going to look at, especially if they're kind of young quarterback, not necessarily full rebuild, but trying to modernize everything and get younger and better at the same time. I think those two guys are going to end up with jobs probably. Yeah, I would say. You never know the owner and what they want, but I would say that if like if you were just stacking these up by categories and you went the top candidates that are offensive minded, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Johnson's one, and I can't think of another one that'd be higher than Bobby Slowick right now. I, I can't either. missing somebody? No, I mean, you know, it was really crazy to me to hear Greg Olson this weekend go on and on about how McCarthy shouldn't lose his job, and if he did, he'd get snapped up in an instant. I disagree wholeheartedly, and, and I've told you guys this over the course of his tenure even in Dallas. But I think that even with his with the, the offensive minded reputation of McCarthy, I think the game has kind of passed him by from that from that standpoint to where ownership isn't going to look at McCarthy as this this big offensive name that I can bring in. I think those are the top two guys, Slowick and and, and Johnson. Yeah, I think that those are the top two as well. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What are you not ignoring in victory? What you wouldn't in defeat? Uh, I think there's one that's very obvious. Never use seventy eight on special teams. Again, look, and I understand that you want your best players to play special teams. I understand that the third phase of the game is critically important. That's cool. You don't use your stars on special teams. Laramie Tunsil belongs nowhere on the football field when you're kicking an extra point. It almost cost number 78 his season. He's already dealing with – plus, he's already dealing with an injury. Like, he's one of your best players. He's already dealing with an injury, and you're playing him on extra points? That should never happen again. Frank Ross should be embarrassed that he even asked for 78 to play on special teams. I, I'm with you. But then, wasn't it also that they moved They moved him for the for the kick from left side to right side? He was on the right side? Yeah, I don't get any of yeah, that. Yeah, there's got to be something to do with, like, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't know enough about the blocking scheme on extra points. But he's out there. He shouldn't be. I mean, th- these little things that us, no matter how much we watch and, and how, many, how dialed in we are to this team, you would just think between Tank Dell should never block on a goal line play 
And Laramie Tunsil should never be blocking, especially on the other side of the line for, for field goal kicks and extra point kicks. Should be two of the biggest no-brainers for any coaching staff in the NFL. It just, you don't, you can't afford to lose two of your top five best players. It was very, very weird. Lamont says, don't ignore in victory uh, the wide open drop by Schultz, although he made up for it. I was surprised to hear on the broadcast, because I have drops on mine as well, I was surprised to hear that the Texans are tied for second in the NFL in drops. I, I, would, I would never have guessed that. I wouldn't I, either. I was really surprised to have heard that, which goes to show you that Stroud could have even had a bigger year. Uh, but that Dalton Schultz drop early in the game with the deep post to the yeah. sideline was, uh, was bad. And I know Lamont said that he made up for it. He tried his best to drop that one too. He was wide open he, and he bobbled. He that. sure like, did. It was it was it was in and out and then back into his hand. So, yeah, Schultz had a bad drop and then he almost dropped the touchdown. Wasn't it that he missed Nico too on the long one? Uh, yeah, Nico early kind of like Nico yeah, looked like he that stumbled was a, a little bit. I couldn't tell why he stumbled. Like he definitely broke stride. Yep. I, I think that he might like whether he either got like tripped or like he had a little bit of contact with the defender, but he definitely broke stride. Yeah, and, and you know when you were you were mentioning that about the drops, I'm like, well, I know that Mechie's had his share, Hutchinson's had his share, but you know it always surprised me even early on for CJ how many like tight windows where Woods would hang on to the ball or even Noah Brown would hang on to the ball, and I was like, man. I just didn't anticipate guys like their receiving core going into traffic and pulling down footballs. So, yeah, it was a little surprising how many drops they had this season. But, you know, look, I, I think that what they have right now in Nico Collins is really developing every week into something really special. And be, and if you had Tank, you just got to believe in going forward to have those two guys. The, the, the sky's the limit for what this receiving room could be, whether they bring in a one or not or, or draft one or not, because of the fact that these these guys have really stepped up. I think Schultz would be a loss, uh, and, and replacing him would be a challenge. I think it'd be easy. For a cat, pass-catching tight end. I think. I mean, I think that $9 million tight ends on a one-year deals are kind of dime a dozen. I feel like you can find his caliber of play on the free agent market. And I think Casario's going to do it. I, I think Nick Casario looks at Schultz and is like, hey, that's the guy I signed on a $9 million one-year deal, and I think he's going to want to do it again. I hope and, you're and right. I think, and I think that they like Brevin Jordan enough where like, they're comfortable, not him being the one, but taking even a little bit more of the load. He can, he can be used in certain packages and schemes based on what you saw, just the burners that he had this weekend. But, yeah, I hope you're right because I, I think that – He's really limited in, in, in all you know blocking and things like that. But boy, what he brings to the passing game and, and his hands and he, and obviously we were just talking Schultz? about drops. Yeah, but I, I think th Schultz has great hands. I think he's been a really he, obviously he's been a plus receiver his whole career. But I think that for CJ, it's he's been like a security blanket both like on the sidelines and in in in, in meeting rooms and such as kind of like a big brother. And then what he's done on the field, he's made some really big plays this year. So uh, I hope they can replace that at nine million a year. Yeah, it's, they have a bunch of interesting decisions that they have to make. Joe, you have another ignore, uh, don't ignore in victory, what you wouldn't in defeat? Yeah, that was the, you guys kind of mentioned it a little bit there, but the, the Nico and Schultz, the big plays that they were missing early on in the first half, it's just another one of those things where you know it's fine this week because you, you dominated in the second half, but you've you got to take advantage. I mean, Nico, whatever happened on that play, it's just it's not – it's just not it's not great when that happens. So that was the other big one for me. Was when they have these big chunk plays, whether it's CJ or Nico or Schultz, whoever it is, like they have to find a way to connect on those. I think a little bit more consistently because I do feel like since Tank has been out of the lineup that they've had more missed opportunities than they had before. Yeah, they they did miss like those are low percentage plays. So like you're not going to connect on 100% of those, but they had some opportunities to put more on the board. Like they had a good offensive game and they they missed some opportunities to put even more uh, on the board. Another one that I would say kind of goes into that a bit. They were two for eight on third down, and the Browns were seven for 15 on third down. If you're going to be Baltimore, that probably has to be flipped. You probably need to be near 50%, and Baltimore is going to have to be about 25%. So you're going to have to be a little bit better in that area as well. Uh, 2 one two eight. you guys weren't complaining when Will Anderson blocked a field goal and a punt this season. I see where you're coming from. I respect that take. Good counter uh, – good counter uh, – Thought there, 2128. I would say this, though. I don't want Will Anderson on special teams either. I do not want my stars playing special teams ever. No, I, I mean, it's a no brainer. I don't know how, and I know that, you know, that DJ had a real issue with it. 
the fact of the matter is, 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 is there's there's plenty of other options to have instead of one of your, two of your top five players involved in those kind of things. Look, I, there's a there's a way there's a reason why Ogunbowale and guys like that have spots on teams because you use them in special teams. He's he's the guy that sits back there in the punts on, on the, the the call the cut, calling out the signals and then making the first block. He's the guy that can do so many different things for you. But you can find guys to do that other you and we do know that there's a plethora of offensive linemen. There has to be a way that you keep Laramie Tunsil out of plays like that, and obviously you would love to have Tank Dell out of plays like that. 713-780-ESPN. Any more before we wrap this up? I think I think that's more than enough. I mean, obviously for a team that won the game, that's probably still too much that stands out, but that's because they're going to be playing a really good football team. Yeah, they gotta they got to flip these things if they want to be Baltimore. 713-780-3776 uh, if you have any. Also on the other side, we, we've had a lot of talk about where does Stroud rank relative to the other quarterbacks in the NFL. We did it ahead of the playoffs. You hear all these quarterback power rankings every single week. Who cares about three? Who cares about five? What we know is he belongs in the conversation with the best in the game. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, another big game of football coming up this weekend. We were just talking about it from Saturday and Sunday, and maybe there's all different other games and things that you want to watch from college and pro basketball to other sporting events. But the bottom line is if you're having people over to the house, the best thing I can recommend for you is Daisy Dips because Daisy Dips saves you time and is going to bring satisfaction to all your guests because of the fact that they have a, a French onion dip, they got a ranch dip, and you don't have to make it and, and go into the kitchen and try and get the right mix between the sour cream and the soup mix and the spices and all those things. You just go to your local grocery store. You, you, you go into the dairy department. You go get yourself a couple of Daisy Dips, and from the wings and the pizza to the veggie dips and the chips, you've got everything you need to make everything taste even better. If the games are good or not, it doesn't matter when the food is better, and your food is going to be great. Check them out today. Get to your grocery store. Grab you a couple of Daisy Dips. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank on Branham, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, Ocho texting into the HRP listener line, Blankers, I just put some daisy sour cream on my tacos. Delicious, two exclamation points. Washing it down with a drink of men. Hawaiian punch. <laughs> Let's go. One of those two things is great. I appreciate Ocho for taking part in Taco Tuesday, which was an innovation of Branham. How do we feel about Hawaiian punch, though? I, growing up, I loved it. I wasn't. Really? I didn't like Sunny Delight. I thought that was too sugary. But I, I growing up, Hawaiian punch was was some good stuff. Yeah, I, I probably haven't had it since I was a kid. It was pretty good whenever I was a child. I'd agree that I haven't had it in a long time. But yeah, the fruit punch was always good. I used to like Hawaiian punch, and then I turned eight. It's probably realistic. <laughs> Ocho, Ocho's still on it, though. Uh, three, four, five, one. special teams reserved for players like DJ Swearinger. That's a good call. Uh, now, I mean, there's great special teamers. Look no further than John Weeks. Austin says, best sports radio show in Houston. Keep it up, Killer Bees. Appreciate that, Austin. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you kissing our tails, but we're, we got nothing for that. We don't do a segment each week called Nice Text or Nice Things. We have Mean Text, so send us mean things. We don't need compliments, although we do appreciate it. I know Blankers does. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. What's that? Of course you had to drop that in there. You do appreciate compliments more than I do. Okay. That's not, that's a fact. I, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, mean, I appreciate it. Yeah, it wasn't a put down. It wasn't a burn. I, I just it's always I nice to know people appreciate what we do. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know what to do with compliments. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks, and I get awkward and like, hey, yeah, you're nice too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got the awkward down right yeah, there. We do. I, I'm much better with the mean things. Um, we, we hear a lot of talk about where C.J. Stroud ranks uh, amongst quarterbacks in the NFL, and those are fun conversations, and we'll have those conversations, no doubt about it. Uh, top one, top three, top five, top seven, top ten. We were talking about him being top 20, like after week one. Uh, and, and we got crushed for whenever we were like, let's yeah. let's see where Stroud stacks up to the NFL throughout the year just to see his progression, just, just to see how much he climbs. Like, what are you talking about? He's a rookie. Y'all shouldn't be doing this. But now that he's top five, yeah, let's do it. Yay, let's have that conversation. Conversation. I don't care about any of that right now. Like 
and probably don't care about any of that going into the offseason in the future. Like, fun exercises, fun debate, good bar talk, and we'll absolutely have that. What, I, what matters to me, though, because we, we've talked about the AFC and the gauntlet that is the AFC, and we've talked about it, like, in the lead-up to the draft. And for you to be, a, like, a, a team that can actually compete in the AFC, you've got to have really good quarterback play because you got Lamar, you got Mahomes, you got Allen, you got Burrow. Uh, there's some names I probably haven't even – Herbert hasn't Herbert, even won yeah. a playoff game. Yeah. You know, Tua has – hasn't looked good in the playoffs. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, is he actually going to be pretty good? We don't know. But that's that's what you're going up against in the AFC. We know after just one season, just after one season, that C.J. Stroud's at least in that conversation. When you're having a conversation that's the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Lamar's going to come up. Pat Mahomes is going to come up. And C.J. Stroud is going to come up. And that's what matters. I think that's what's actually tangible. Because if you have that quarterback, you feel like you have a shot – and it's incredibly pleasant to be a city in the NFL that has a quarterback you can look at and be like, yeah, we got a puncher's chance every single time we play a game. Yeah, it's part of what we talked about yesterday, too. To, to be one of the haves and, and not one of the have-nots, it, it's so refreshing because of the fact that you know that no matter where you have deficiencies on your football team, it's a lot easier to fill those than trying to fill the most important position in sports. And And look, I think Joe has experienced it more than most when you just talk about you know, a franchise like the Bears or the Browns that went through, you know, for years and years and years, all these quarterbacks. And you're just like, oh, my God, it's a revolving door. And when you get into the 15, 17, 20 guys and you're going and they didn't hit on one, it, it, it's a really tough proposition as a fan base, as an organization. And we know just in that shorter window of time, you know, over the last several years and even when O'Brien first got here with Ryan Mallets of the world and all the guys that, that, that he was circling in here, too. That you're like, until you, you get one, you forget how painful it is when you don't have one. Like, that's excruciating when you could have a great draft and get this dynamic player, this defender. But then you look at your quarterback and go, yeah, but is so-and-so still going to be able to, like, just tread water and do enough for us? It's great to have a guy like CJ. The thing that's amazing to me is just the fact that when you look at it across the – we see him every week. We see how good he is. We know that each passing week you get more impressed and see more things that you haven't seen yet where you go, this dude's special. He's really, really good. But then it amazes me that nationally that I know not everybody was watching Texans all season long, but just in the, the last two weeks when you talk about the indie game that was like a playoff game and you talk about what you saw last week, how more people haven't hitched their bandwagon up to this kid to go, this dude's really, really good, like top five good. Yeah, I think people are. I, I and, and I'm probably in the minority here. I, I couldn't care less what other th- what other people think of him. Like I, I, it doesn't affect me. Part of it's because I don't watch that stuff. Like I, I don't watch the the whatever shows or like the argument shows that are on ESPN mm-hmm. or FS1. I couldn't care less what Colin Cowherd thinks about CJ Stroud. I couldn't care less what Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith thinks about CJ Stroud. So if like they're, it, it, this is kind of like the Pro Bowl conversation. Like people get offended. Whenever fans get offended, whenever their players aren't getting the accolades mm-hmm. that they feel that they should be getting, and I get that, like I respect that. Me personally, I don't care because I want team success. So it's like, cool, disrespect them, but go beat their butts on Saturday. Cool, disrespect Stroud and sleep on Stroud, and then all of a sudden let CJ Stroud go beat you and go to an AFC championship. Like that's the stuff that I care about. Actually, going out and winning and proving doubters wrong. I couldn't care less about somebody else's opinion. It makes me shake my head, and I'm not going to lie it, it catches my eye and I'm a little astonished sometimes because of the sources right because yesterday uh, all over the bottom line or, or the tease on the bottom for the next segments coming up on get up and and I think even leading into sports center it was all about is Jordan Love the next superstar in the NFL I go how's Jordan Love better than CJ Stroud how is CJ Stroud not getting in that headline? Is that what they were saying though oh yeah like yeah it, it was it definitely was and they led into it saying like this was the, the 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 coming out party of the next superstar of the NFL Jordan Love and what he did to the Cowboys defense and what got worse for me was this morning then on Stephen A's show that Shannon Sharp a guy that knows football he's gonna he's a Hall of Fame tight end I mean the guy knows football he can identify it and they started breaking down who had a better weekend CJ or Jordan Love and 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 Shannon comes out and says well it's definitely Jordan Love because he did it against the Cowboys defense. And that was major. And I'm going, CJ went up against the best defense statistically in the NFL. How do you not see that and give the kid his flowers and say, 
you, you could say, well, he didn't play the whole game because they were so far ahead and, and all these other things. It doesn't matter. Like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, you, you got to clear your glasses, Shannon, and look at it and go, time out now. Yeah, the Cowboys' defense has been good this year. The Browns has been better. Yeah, I don't know if that's if Sharp saying that loves better than Stroud. Uh, not, I get that he's not saying it like in the totality of things, like going forward and, and like total talent. But even for last weekend, I'm looking at it going, if that's your argument, the defense. I think Cleveland's defense is better than Dallas. Yeah, uh, they, they are. Uh, they are better than Dallas. Now, I, I think that Love had a good game, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do think that Love could be in that future superstar category. I don't think he's anywhere near uh, C.J. Stroud. Because I think Stroud, we're talking about Tier 1, whereas Love, you're talking about more Tier 2, Tier 3-ish, which may be more, more Tier 3 than Tier 2. But from a Texan's point of view, like you have a guy that you feel confident in for the next 10, 12 years. So who cares if he's the best quarterback in the NFL uh, by these talking heads? Who cares if he's fifth? Who cares that he's seventh? I think the fan base feels confident enough in C.J. Stroud that he's more than capable of beating other Tier 1 quarterbacks. That whenever you have – who who are the Tier 1 quarterbacks in the NFL? Stroud has played himself into that conversation. And for a team that's been – like desperate for quarterback uh, for forever, like maybe in France, maybe forever in franchise history. I know Schaub had some really good years. Did you ever think Schaub was tier one? Uh, maybe thought it with Deshaun Watson. I think some people mm-hmm. probably did think it with Deshaun Watson. But now you have that next guy. You have that next guy. And quite frankly, I know it's only been you know one season. I think Stroud's better than Deshaun. Than Deshaun oh, for ever sure. Was with I, I agree Texans. with that. I agree just because of his ability to pass the football. I mean, he's learned. He's smart enough and intelligent enough as a quarterback that he doesn't. If, if he tried to extend plays early in his in, in his first season, he's not going to make that mistake the rest of the year. He's going to learn from it. He his touch and and his ability to put the ball in tight windows is already like so head and shoulders above Deshaun that I think that he's a better Deshaun might be a better overall athlete. Because he because of his running ability and his and his quickness and elusiveness, CJ doesn't have to be because in terms of his intelligence in the pocket and the way he's able to throw the football, I think he's a better quarterback. And no. I think to your point in terms of who cares, I think the easy first answer is fans are always going to care. Sure, the, yeah, I just don't think they should. Yeah, but but you know the the passion and the Kool Aid drinking and all of that get that builds up that fandomonium is exactly what gets the juices flowing to want to like lash through their TV or their computer to fight the other side of it and that's why Skip Bayless has made a living out of being so, you know, controversial. I so I don't I don't think that Deshaun is a better athlete than CJ. You don't. I think that I think it's close and I think it's if he is I think it's very very small. I think the reason that like universally people think that he is is because he's not as good a passer. And I think because CJ Stroud's such a good passer and throws the ball a lot and doesn't look to run very much that we kind of dingle him points for this athleticism. Like if, if they were like Deshaun Watson wasn't like the fastest point A to point B. He wasn't Lamar Jackson. And he wasn't like as shifty as, you know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields. If you put CJ Stroud and they didn't run their forties, because why would you as a quarterback right. that's a first rounder? If you had them running forties, I, I don't know that Stroud loses that race. Ooh, I don't know. I, I think I might, Deshaun I is look faster. For a, I might look for a, a clip. Yeah, maybe they did their pro day. I don't know. I don't think. No, I, I doubt that they ran their forties. Like you usually don't if you're a first round quarterback. Well, I, I think that the the question for you guys would be who's got the stronger arm? Because oh, I think CJ for I, sure. CJ, the ability to just flick the football half the time with not even a full arm extension shows you that. I don't think that's a question, Blanker. Sorry, but I, I mean, I don't think Deshaun does anything better with his right arm than CJ does on the football field. I, I, that, that's I know that Sean Deshaun could throw the deep ball and and. Um, but he wasn't known for having a cannon. Like he he was he, he like he oftentimes would be criticized for not having a strong arm. Oh, I don't remember that he was ever criticized for not having yeah. a strong arm. I know that he could throw the deep ball. It was basically the only thing that – what's the kid from Notre Dame that was always hurt? Will um, – Fuller. Fuller. I mean, he, he used to constantly just heave it up as far as he could throw it, and Fuller would run underneath it. But uh, I think that from the, the standpoint of as much as Deshaun – from a passing perspective, I agree with you. CJ's a better passer all across the board. The arm strength, I was curious your guys' thoughts. And then just from a running standpoint and from an athletic standpoint, I think that Deshaun was more elusive. I think Deshaun was quicker, and I, I honestly think he was faster. Yeah, I don't. I think it'd be closer than you think if they were to run a 40. 713-780-ESPN. Uh, you do realize the Texans beat the absolute most depleted team in the NFL with a fifth-string quarterback. Who said that? The texter. 
on the oh. next line. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? They, 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 you had your quarterback go up against the best defense in the NFL, and he was successful. And that is all you need to know about that was a, that was a good win. 3993. Yes, yes, you caught it. Uh, good catch there. 3993. All right, 713-780 ESPN. Speaking of quarterbacks, speaking of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I think Lamar's playing at the best uh, best level right now. Now, regular season, Lamar and postseason Lamar have been two different things. He's been bad in the postseason. Do we believe this continues? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, I'm going to tell you right now about the good people at Allstate Signing and Windows. Look, this cold spell that we've just been going through, maybe you feel that cold breeze coming through the windows and you start wondering about what you can do to fix it. I just had new windows put in my house from Allstate Siding and Windows, and I'm going to recommend to everybody that they do the same thing because Allstate Siding and windows protects your biggest investment and that is your house whether it's siding or windows and in my case the the most experience i have right now recently has been with the windows it's a game changer including maybe saving up to 40 percent on your energy bills when it gets really cold like this or in the summer when it gets really hot and you want to keep the air conditioning in the windows can make a difference the vinyl windows are a game changer you need to go to the experts and they are the experts because mary and mike and their family have been in business for almost 50 years and they know Houstonians. They not only support Houston sports and, and ESPN 97.5, but they support the community. And they come out to your house, and they tell you how they can help, and they tell you how they can protect and make sure that they value your biggest investment, that being your house. Check them out today because they have all kinds of specials going on, and they're always going to take care of Houstonians. 12 months, no interest is one of the big specials. They have $150 off on windows, minimum of 10 windows. Like I said, if you're going to save a possibility of 40% on your energy bills, whatever you're kicking out to get the windows, you're going to start getting back in terms of the savings on your energy bills. Check them out. Call them today, 832-204-1936. Have someone come out to your house and see what they can do. 832-204-1936 or look them up online, All allstatesidingandwindows.com. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank on Branham. We'll get to the uh, Lamar Jackson thing in a moment. 3-4-5-1, LeBranham. Uh, CJ's way better, but Deshaun is a better athlete. Do you not remember when he ran that 50-yard touchdown against Cincy on, like, Monday Night Football? Um, what's wrong with you, Branham, bro? It's obvious that D4 is a better athlete than CJ. Come on. Uh, Joe, you said you found the 40 times? Yeah, this one website, NFL Draft Buzz, says that CJ ran a, a 4.74, but there's, I think it's an estimation because nowhere officially says he ran it. Watson ran a 4.66 at the combine. Okay. That's blazing for CJ, if that's right. See, I, I think he's about that. Like, that would be my prediction on CJ. Like, I don't look at Deshaun and CJ and be like, oh, Deshaun's just way faster. I would say Deshaun would win by about a nose. Like, I, yeah, I think that's it'd be fair. a tight race. Yeah, I'm but not I, saying that he's going to be like, you know, four or five lengths in front of him. But, but the, like, the point that I was making is because CJ Stroud is a pocket passer, like, I think he's very much a pocket passer, mm-hmm. whereas Deshaun's a dual threat. Like, Deshaun's going to roll out, Deshaun's going to run way more. And because of their play styles, we praise Deshaun's athleticism. And we kind of bring Strouds down to the average. I think if Stroud ran as much as Deshaun, like Deshaun Watson has multiple games where he's running the football over ten times a game. Like he he's had half a dozen in his career where he's run the ball ten times. CJ Stroud, the most he's run a football the entire year is six times. I think if Stroud ran the ball as much as Deshaun, we would be like, okay, they're, they're very similar in terms of athleticism. Maybe I, I just think when I'm thinking athleticism, I'm thinking like the total, the strength, the speed. The, you, you know, think Deshaun super is stronger than CJ. No, but I'm saying I'm just throwing all the elements of athleticism, right? The quickness, the 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 the, the foot speed in terms of running is one thing. The elusiveness, uh, the the obviously the strength, total body strength, the strength of his arm. All that stuff plays in. I think that CJ's a better quarterback, no doubt. I, I think that CJ probably so does get slept things, on of, a little bit. Of, of, of those four things, what would you give Deshaun? Like, if you went speed, Deshaun has him by, what was it, eight-tenths of a second? Yeah, I think Deshaun... Who do you think stronger? I think CJ's probably stronger. Who do you think has a, has a better arm? In terms of... The, I think CJ has a better arm and arm talent. So I, yeah, I, get, I I don't know why we think that CJ and Deshaun being similar athletes because I think that Deshaun crazy. is quicker. I think he's he's. I think it's pretty tight. I think his elusive his elusive his elusiveness and his ability to more, escape. Deshaun. Okay, but I think that he is a more elusive. 
Okay. I think most people would uh, agree with you, according to the text line. I think it's super similar. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. 8532 says this question might stump you all. Uh, would you trade CJ for Lamar Jackson right now? H-Town Critic is listening to our show. It Thank probably you for listening, is, yeah. uh, H-Town Critic. All right, Lamar Jackson's bad in the postseason. Uh, some of the numbers we've seen from Lamar Jackson, he hasn't played in a ton of playoff games because he loses. He's only played in four. He's reached the playoff three times. I guess four if you want to count last year, but as we know, he didn't play. So as the quarterback that's healthy, he's played in three different playoffs. He's one and three all time in his professional career in the NFL postseason. In 2018 against the Chargers, this is the game where he was 14 for 29. He threw two touchdowns and an interception. Now he did run it for 54 yards. The second game that he played in the postseason was against Tennessee. They lost 28 to 12. 31 for 59. Now he racked up 365 yards, but he threw it 59 times. He had a touchdown, two interceptions. He actually ran for 143 yards in that game. I have no idea how they only scored 12 points. Uh, 2021, he beat Tennessee. 17 to 24, 179 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and then they lost to Buffalo the next week. He was 14 for 24, no touchdowns, one interception. So he's not been good in the postseason. Is this something you would expect to continue? It's weird because of the fact that I lived through the Harden MVPs and and, and the, the Harden failures in the playoffs. And when you see a guy like James Harden and you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson and they have just the tons of success that they have in the regular season in the back of my mind, I'm saying there's no way that this can continue. This has to be like a trend, but he's got to be able to escape from it. He's got to be able to get out of it. In the case of Harden, we knew he never could. And it actually, in in a lot of cases got worse. When you look at Lamar Jackson, I just think that he spent so good in so many ways that you believe that at a certain point he can snap out of it. But whether it also weighs on him, and I I believe it's, it's gotta be in there somewhere where he's conscious of the fact that, you know, Everybody knows he hasn't been great in the playoffs, and maybe that puts a little extra pressure on him. I think at a certain point, and this might be this might be the best team that he's ever had around him. That this is going to be if it, if it's going to be a time, it's probably this year that he is going to snap out of it, and they are going to make a long run and do what they were supposed to do previously because they really kind of went all in on trying to give him more weapons and try to build everything even more about the offense, not just him, the way they did with Greg Roman. Um, I I think that he's still capable of snapping out of it. I think he will. Honestly, I think that he's going to play well on Saturday. Yeah, it's uh, it is curious. Like it's it's very weird because he's a way better football player than you know these numbers. And this year's offense to me is a little bit more of a you know they're not as. I mean, they're still super dependent on Lamar. I think they just built it up, like you said, better around him. And then they're also well-rounded. Like, their defense is incredible uh, this year. I I know that there was, like, some information going around with their, like, all-time DVOA. They're, like, like one of the greatest teams in this century, something like that, which I believe because, I mean, their offense is playing at an extremely high level. Lamar's probably going to win the MVP. And then their defense is top two, top three in the entire league as well. So incredibly well-rounded. I would be surprised if Lamar has a game like Lamar has had in the postseason. I I tend to agree with you. Um, now the pressure's all on Lamar, though. Sure. Like the pressure's all on Lamar and in, on Baltimore because you know it's kind of like Dak a little bit. Like you know that in his mind he knows that he's never played well in the postseason. And Lamar Jackson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think he's playing at the be- like the best of any quarterback in the league right now. And a competitor like that is well like wants to have success in the postseason. So he's well aware of his postseason failures. So I think from like, you know, the Houston Texans point of view, that's like one of the critical things is like try to put a little bit of doubt in Lamar Jackson's mind early. Mm-hmm. Have him thinking about postseason failures. Oh, I threw an interception on the very first drive. Maybe it's here we go again. And I understand that you're always trying to look good defensively. But I think if that were to happen, Lamar has a little bit of early struggles in that first quarter. Maybe he throws an interception early in that game. I think you start to see kind of his confidence start to waver. I think it's quite possible. I think to your point in terms of what we've seen in the past and how they've been able to how they've done things, I think this is what they've always tried to keep him fresh for. This was like their version of load management in the past, and maybe contractual situation had something to do with it over the longevity of how much he was out a year ago. But I think that this is the time where you're going to see him throw caution to the wind and maybe also try and use 
you know, his his greatest skill set to try and dispel a lot of that too, where I think he's going to run a lot more frequently than he did in the regular season. I think that he's going to look to get out in open spaces uh, and, and find more opportunities to be explosive with his legs because of the fact that he's a lot more fresh and he, he wasn't he's not as dinged up and taking the beating that he's taken in years past when he's put all those miles on his feet during the year. And so I think that's where the, the, the everybody's got to be aware of the fact that I think that he we know he's elusive. We know he can escape. But I think we also know that they've tried to curtail that a whole hell of a lot with the way they redid the offense. Uh, I mean, he ran it 150 times. Like, it, it's... it's. Uh, I just think that he's going to... I think that because of the fact that there, he knows... Like you said, he knows that there is a there is a bad rap on him about playoff football. I think he is going to look to dispel that with his legs too, and I think he's going to try and get out a little bit more. Yeah, I I, just, I'm, I guess I'm nitpicking. Like he still ran a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Like the the idea that they were just going to sling the ball around and Lamar wasn't going to run. I think that notion is like carried over to where people are like, yeah, Lamar's not running it as much this year. He ran it 148 times. It's the most times he's like run the football yards, in the last right? three years. What's that? He gained like seven or 800 yards yeah, this It year, was 821, right? which is the third most he's had in his career. Yeah. So, like, he still ran a lot. I think he was just more selective. I think he was more selective, probably a little safer with his body, sliding, getting out of bounds, you know, maybe doing it in critical downs when it opens up. But that's also the challenge of playing Lamar. Like, it's the challenge because, yeah, he's going to try to have explosive plays. Every NFL football player tries to have explosive plays. Lamar, it comes easier for Lamar because Lamar's special. He's unique and he's one of a kind. Uh, He's like Mike Vick, quite frankly. So that's kind of the challenge that that D'Amico has presented on his desk. Okay, how do we prevent that? And you know that D'Amico likes to stay away from explosive plays. So uh, I'm going to go back and watch the week one game just to kind of see how they defended them. Now, it's going to be totally different personnel. Texans were still playing a lot of 4-3 then. I bet you they play a whole lot of nickel on Saturday. But that's the challenge because you're right. Lamar wants to be explosive. And Lamar is better at being explosive from the quarterback position than literally anybody on earth. Yep. And that's the, that's the challenge for D'Amico in the Texas defense. Yeah, because, you know, when you start throwing that out there, too, the one thing that I think about, too, is, yeah, he carried the ball 150 times. And one thing we know about Lamar more than most, even when quarterbacks carry the that want to be running and get out of the court, when he gets an opening, I mean, he can gash you for 10, 20 yards at, at a chunk. You're, I think you're right. The biggest thing was when he ran, he ran more intelligently to say, I'm getting out of bounds, I'm getting down, I'm not going to try to get that extra one, two, five yards. I'm going to get what I can get early, and the minute I see a defender within a couple yards of me, I'm hitting the deck or I'm getting out of bounds. Yeah, he's uh, he's ridiculous. He's so good. 713-780-ESPN. Kendall Graveman out for the year. Had labrum surgery. So the Astros' bullpen went from being a concern to now being a major concern. Do you agree? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.